You are listening to the Lighter Side Show audio podcast with Jamie Butler, the everyday medium, produced by the Lighter Side Network. Visit and subscribe to thelightersidenetwork.com for hundreds of video episodes exploring wholeness living, energy work, trans channeling, and more. The Lighter Side Network, where the everyday meets the extraordinary. Hi, Lumineers. Welcome to the Lighter Side Show podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Butler, the everyday medium, and I am in studio with Colleen Ziegler. Hey. And Dr. Crystal Jones. Hi, hi. (laughs) Yay. We're going to be talking about being in the aftershock. I had to pause when I said that because I could feel like making a lot of changes and how it feels after making a big life change. But before we dive into that, I do have a few housekeeping notes. And of course, they do include Luma Summit is coming. Luma Summit 2018, October 19th through the 21st here in Atlanta, Georgia at the Center for Love and Light at the new event space. It is gorgeous, guys. We have outdoor space now as well. So please do purchase your ticket. You can buy that at jamiebutlermedium.com. While you're there, sign up for the newsletter. And guys, if you have this feeling that you are growing and changing and you'd like to share it with your friends, and then you don't really find the words to know how to describe how you're growing and changing, just send them out to our website. (laughs) Have them sign up for the newsletter, right? There's golden nuggets in there. There's articles. We have all kinds of things happening, classes, workshops. We're traveling and 2019, we'll be traveling out of the country and we would love to see newbie lumineers out there. I kind of pride myself on being the intro level of spirituality, kind of like the kindergarten teacher. (laughs) I know we got smiles around (laughs) the table here right now, but do check out our website and uh, I would love to see you at Luma Summit. But now we're going to dive in with Dr. Crystal Jones and Lumineers. If you've been here before, you've seen her episode, her video episode with us on the Lighter Side Show. But now I have her in studio because she's doing something quite incredible. And I think it's very important for our community to have a discussion about who we become after we make these big life changes, after we have those aha moments once we see, oh my gosh, what I'm doing right now is not supporting me where I want to be or who I want to be, and your knees buckle and your eyes cross and you think, I cannot do this. I would have to sacrifice so much. But every part of your being says, you must do this. This is who we are. And you follow through and you might find that there's not a lot of support out there because your friends, your family, your colleagues all knew you for who you were. But now you're making a big dramatic shift. And so it's a bit of an after effect. It's like being in the shock waves after the earthquake. And Dr. Crystal Jones, you are right in the middle of it. And we would love to hear how you're processing this and what you're doing and, and, and some stories around how you're communicating to your environment and to your community about this. Interestingly <laughs> enough, after saying that, I am really fortunate that I have a lot of support. When I say that I'm going to do something, my entire community is just like, go do it. Because I've done this so many times in life. There's been so many shifts. And and many of the people that I worked with, I've worked with them through their own shifts. So they, they kind of understand, I've created the community of support that um, I need. For me, it's also understanding that 
since my life changed, the universe is shifting to bring different types of opportunities. That's where I am now just in the preparing and waiting stage and really just being in the alignment for the new alignment for wherever it is that I'm going. I went from being in private practice because, you know, that's what you do when you graduate and you become a doctor, you be, you go into private practice. And I found that there were a lot of results that were happening and people were healing better. They were moving through a lot of things, but they were coming to me after they had been to so many other people. And um, I was often a last resource. And so I realized that there needed to be an understanding of how to actually hear what these people were asking for. Can I interrupt? Mm -hmm. So often a last resource. Now Mm -hmm. I experienced that a lot as being a medium. Mm -hmm. I'm not a doctor. So what kind of practice did you have that made it where you weren't so uber mainstream that you were everybody's first choice and that you ended up being like, I don't know, it's a little different. It's a little strange. I'm going to leave that to last because <laughs> if I can figure out in a normal setting, I'd rather do that than do something that's more different. So my practice, and I say majority was chiropractic, but that's because it was my highest degree and that's what people, that's the label they attach to it. Um, but in that practice, I served as a doula and, and a chiropractor and a Reiki master and a nutritionist because that's where I started with my bachelor program. And so I worked in all of those particular places and people would have been to all of those providers and they would come to me based off of referrals. Um, referrals or they were kind of thinking of transitioning through their life because they were tired. And I had worked with other people who had done that. So a lot of it was referral based because other people had been through the ringer of a lot of the mainstream get me fixed kind of things. And they got fixed, but the same stimulus came to them again and they needed to get fixed again. And they kind of just got tired of the same cycle of not listening to their body, but always being attacking. I need to fight. I got to fight to live instead of I, my body's, you know, moving towards ease and understanding how their body was moving to ease. I think the difference um, was that we were having a conversation in our sessions more than fixing a problem because I don't believe the body's ever trying to move into a problem. So that's a very non-traditional private practice. Mm-hmm. Right. So you sounds like you're spending time with individuals, not based on an appointment schedule like, oh, you're going to come in. We have a 30 minute appointment. I'm going to assess you, adjust you. We're going to talk about some food that you can eat. We're going to talk about <laughs> anti-inflammatories because that's very niche these days. <laughs> and then we're going to send you on your way. and You can come back in next week. <laughs> Swallow your tea. Dr. Crystal <laughs> is going to come out her nose. She's drinking her ginger tea, which is very anti-inflammatory. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Right as Jamie's saying anti-inflammatory, <laughs> Crystal is drinking her ginger tea. Oh, my. Oh my. It was too perfect. It was. It too was. Perfect. <laughs> you know, and then come back and then I'll treat you again. It sounds mm-hmm. like you're you're sitting with them and you're being with them mm-hmm. and you're you're doing like a mental a belief system, counseling and holding space and coaching and then the physical aspect and so forth. So I can see where you're non-traditional. <laughs> yeah, I really believe that the body work was... I was only doing body work because we finally moved to a new narrative. 
and the body was looking to align to the new narrative of ease. So that's why I would do it rather than um, listening to the narrative and then fixing something within a narrative that wasn't working. So we have to change the narrative first, and then the body will change based on that, and we'll understand better how the body's moving to ease. Because that's the only goal, to understand that we go from dis-ease to ease at all times. All right, I might be jumping the gun, but I kind of want to (laughs) know. When you said you got all your degrees and everything, and the Mm -hmm. the most common thing was you just kind of flow into a private practice. Mm -hmm. And now you're talking about the body with dis-ease and moving into ease. Mm -hmm. Did you feel those physical sensations when you realized that you needed to make this life shift or change? I did. Did it show Um, up physically? It showed up physically because my body would just be fatigued. I would be tired all the time doing something that I didn't. I didn't want to do. But in your head, did you still like the work? I I liked the work. I loved doing those work that work being being with people i think the harder thing was the boxes that people put me in based on those titles so i would be asked to do something that i didn't want to do and what i wanted to do would still happen but the thing is oh my back hurts so can you adjust me or and while i think i know that it works for all of that when the body is moving from dis-ease to ease it's going to it's going to happen. I just, I found a space of referring to people that had that same healing understanding as the person that wanted that type of work. Um, I didn't, it wasn't, I was not happy being shackled. What keeps coming to mind as I have a visual is that there's a big difference between someone who constantly wants you to put a bandaid on them than someone who doesn't want any cuts on their body. Or wants That's, to begin listening to the cuts in their bodies. And what they're telling and them. And instead of thinking the cut is wrong, I think the the overarching theme is that the cut is not here to tell you anything. The cut is here. Just either let's not ever get a cut or let's put a band-aid on it. But sure. I like to welcome the cut into the body because it's introducing you physically to a paradigm that your body has been operating in in a long time and now it's presenting you with a choice. I think without the cut, then you don't feel the need to activate choice and move in a different direction. Mm -hmm. Wow. Something that also came to mind when Crystal said um, how she started feeling so fatigued, when she, before we started the podcast, told me that you had made that announcement and that you were doing this, you lit up (laughs) like these stage lights. I mean, she just lit up and she was beaming. And that's such a wonderful indication that you are on your path and you are doing your thing and you're doing what you want to be doing. Well, that was my my next thing. What is that decision? Mm -hmm. Because we've talked about where you studied and what you fell into and now you made a big life change. What is that thing? It's literally using my voice and action to disrupt the reason why I was a last resource. Um, so leading these conversations in places like here and different conferences and also going to medical schools and yoga teacher trainings and Reiki trainings and healing arts temples and chiropractic schools and really 
nailing in the ability to actually be a human within a practice. That's what's missing is people have no idea how to hear what's being said outside of just the words. It's always, you know, let me hear what you're saying. And um, because I've been trained in this thing, let me do this thing to you. And they haven't really heard anything. They just assess the body without fully assessing all of the levels of the body, all of the realms of the body, and really understanding their healing philosophy and why somebody crossed their path. Because everybody doesn't cross your path so that you can serve them with an adjustment. Maybe they crossed your path so that you could lead them to someone that can serve them with the same um, integrity of healing. Without, without, without the person's integrity of healing and your philosophy of the healing integrity if they those two don't match you guys are on two different books right and then it becomes the person with the most confidence wins and that's typically the doctor which is why you leave without your symptoms um but I think in this new paradigm it's asking what do you believe healing is what is your role in healing and Asking the person in front of you, what do you believe healing is? What is it that you're looking for? And how is it that I can show up for you rather than having the assumption that you know what the person wants because they came into your office for this thing? Mm -hmm. The person with the most confidence wins. <laughs> that's what? a that's that a whole thing. I was talking problematic. Yeah. <laughs> well, in most of the time, two when different you books. So somebody has to have more confidence to be the, the right book. God, I just, I'm mind blown right now. I like, I need a moment. <laughs> I like need to walk <laughs> around the building right now. How many times have I been in a situation where the person with the most confidence, you know, I subside to them because they're showing such confidence. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that they have the best answers for me or the best service for me, but if they express the most confidence, I believe I am trained to bow down. I'm having another thought. Yeah. And this might just, I might be stating the obvious, <laughs> but that recognition of your own dis-ease, which was being tired all the time, which is a disease, right? Yes. Um, is, is huge. It's huge. And that oftentimes I don't think that us humans walking around in our everyday life think, oh, I'm so tired. I'm giving too much of my time. I'm doing, I'm not doing fully what I want to be doing. We're not labeling that as disease, but it is. We're not living in ease. Right. The Merck yeah. manual is designed for, you know, symptoms that lead to the Back idea pain. that this could be yeah. a thing. And yeah. if you look at it, you no know, matter what I've seen where it's like cancer or AIDS or anything, it's, this ease and um the reason why I was fatigued was because I was living in incongruency with the narrative that I desired mm -hmm. to live in and that your body has to be in your fight or flight all the time to put on this cape when where I'm at right now is where I want to be I'm aligning my entire body my physical emotional spiritual and biochemical bodies to the new narrative that serves the highest good of myself, which is the highest good of all. 
So you just stepped back and looked at that structure that you've been building, a foundation mm-hmm. for years and years and years of mm-hmm. a private practice and mm-hmm. said, no more. Well, I, I realized that there could be more of it if I stepped back and worked with those who were building that. So instead of it just being um, me, it was now more people that are in all of those professions being able to serve at that capacity. So I went from being being part of so many different professions, and it's so interesting how everyone feels like when you move into another space that you're turning your back on them. Um, but moving from that space... How dare you do this to, to me? Right. <laughs> and they're taking it personal to now being... How dare you live your life? <laughs> the person that is here to guide you into doing this work. Um, it's not taught. I, it was not taught in our doctoral program at all how to hear what someone was saying. We were taught how to look at someone and find what was wrong with them. Mm-hmm. How to so, take their power away. Right. It, even in yoga teacher training, Whoa. I had an amazing, amazing yoga teacher training. Um, I had amazing um, Reiki training. I had all of those things were amazing, but they were all geared towards learning something to give to someone, not actually hearing what was needed and matching that need. Um, But the really important part was, did this person cross my path for me to do this to them? Or can I hear what they're asking for? What is it that you actually want? Well, I think that stems also from a belief system that we all know what we need. And a lot of us are walking around going, well, I'm stupid and I don't know enough. And I obviously don't know what I need. That's why I'm this way. So I need somebody else to tell me, what do I need? Mm-hmm. So not only are you, yeah, <laughs> that dog, dog needs to be heard. Yes. There's a puppy next door and it's barking. Not only are we looking at somebody to maybe hold the space for them to talk or whatnot, but also to provide them with the, I don't know, the power, the ability to acknowledge that maybe they don't know what they need and that's okay as well you're you're taught from if you've gone through any type of educational system that someone has the answer and that you're you're always competing to have the right answer when you're tested um well I didn't go to kindergarten but like first grade (laughs) it's always let me let me say what I think because I'm going to give this paper to someone to tell me what is right and what is wrong. Mm. And so we're conditioned to believe in that pattern. And then it just grows to the fact that, well, this person's a doctor, this person's a medium. And um, what you do as a medium is you connect someone to someone that they already connected to, but they just didn't have the capability or they, they didn't have, they had the capability. They just didn't know that I have this power to do Yes, they didn't that because you're feeding off of their ability to do that. Right. They didn't have the awareness. Right. Right. And I think training on one side is important. But the other part is also being in these conferences and working with the people that are searching and saying, you don't have to search for your wholeness. You're already whole. But if you would like for if you would like for someone to help you in a place where they may have more expertise in your wholeness. That's a whole that's a whole different paradigm. That's a conversation rather than I have this void and I need you to fix this so that I can be whole again. That resonates as such a deep truth mm-hmm. to me. Like I just don't even have the banter and the chant to follow it up. <laughs> I just had to let it rest in my ears. Mic drop. 
Yeah. That is a <laughs> mic drop moment. Yeah. I mean, if you, if, if everyone knew that, then, um, the industry would change. Um, and that I think is what most people are afraid of. And that's why in the aftershock to know that I'm coming in to disrupt that, that I think that's where I get nervous because I know this little five, four person is here to do this because people can no longer be fed off of their need, their awareness that they're not whole. Why not? Why not ask the questions and allow them to answer their own questions? The thing is learning how to ask questions without needing to, without leading them back to yourself. Why are you, you have to ask a question to have a person answer that question because you don't know the answer, not because, let me ask you a question because I have the answer to it. It just doesn't make sense. But that's how you get someone dependent on you. Yes. And that's how you pay your mortgage. <laughs> so for you where you are, coming out of the private practice structure mm -hmm. and then recreating your, I guess, your presence of mm -hmm. your company or, or what you're presenting to the community globally as well. <laughs> yes, let's say that globally. It is global. Yes. It's in <laughs> Europe and a lot of the Caribbean. So it's happening. It's happening. <laughs> what are some ways that you provided care and grounding to yourself in the aftershock? I talked about it. That was important to me. Huge. I needed to... I needed to sort the things out and I can write and write and write. And it was something that needed to come out. So I called my boyfriend and then I called my yoga teacher and I was like, I just need to say this thing because I am excited and I am nervous at the same time. And because I do have an amazing support system, I could say that and they do not believe me. They're just like, well, you know, you're going to do this. This is going to be amazing. But I am at the moment I was terrified and yeah. I needed to say that I'm terrified right now. And I needed to talk through that emotion um, and just get it out of my system. Most people just don't believe that I have those feelings. And I do, but I do know the reason or the chosen path that I'm here is greater than me being terrified. Terrified for me, or what people call fear, I don't really subscribe to being fearless, is a driver for me. And it presents me with a choice. Do I go back? Or do I go forward? Because you can do either one of them. And um, and I needed to to talk it out and breathe it out and get excited, like move from terrified to excited and just watch all of the, of the things. And since this happened on Sunday, um, three days ago or four days ago, I don't know what day it is. It's really fresh. <laughs> because that <clears throat> happened. I'm off on Mondays, so Monday I just didn't do anything. And then Tuesday and Wednesday I have just been breathing into this and watching the universe literally shift everything and give me the platforms to do this work. So my grounding has really just been talking and allowing it to happen. 
what are some of the mental snags that you came across? Were there any thoughts of, ooh, Crystal, how could you do that? <laughs> You're going to lose your money. Oh, Crystal, people aren't going to know who you are anymore. Or... Um, you're not going to be busy or they might not need you in this way anymore. Busyness is definitely something that I don't subscribe to. Um, the things that I thought in each profession was what is, what is my mentor going to think about me? What are the people in the profession going to think? And um, so when I talk to a lot of the students that I that I actually mentor, they're excited because they're like, well, I want this. But my thought is, am I going to disappoint the people that really helped me get to where I am at and, and develop the skills? Are they going to be disappointed in me? That That is something that I work through every time that I do make a huge career shift or not a career shift, but an evolution into who I am um, is uh, even without having the intention of hurting someone, am I going to hurt someone? That's that's a thing that I have to work through in understanding that. And now do you have a responsibility? Time. I have a responsibility, them. and sometimes the responsibility is to mentor those who have mentored me, and that is an interesting dynamic. It is very interesting dynamic, and I've seen it happen, and it's happening again. So the hang-up to answer your question was, what would those who are very well-established and very helpful to me, what will they think now that I am aware of my wings and I'm now flying into places that they may have wanted to but didn't know how to? That was a great way <laughs> of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> and there's also, you know, well, now my income's going to change. But also knowing that I live a life of ease and I li live a life of intention and that I'm not the only. This is something that you and I talked about. I used to think that the only reason that I was here on this earth was to work. And if I didn't work hard enough, that somehow I didn't deserve to be here instead of I am here to express myself fully and all of my needs are and will be met. It's a, it's a paradigm shift in my head, and it's stepping into deeper and deeper water. Well, with all this going on, where can the Lumineers find you? Are you doing any, besides Luma Summit in <laughs> October with us, are you showing up and doing any other lecturer, lecturing or holding groups? Um, mostly I do that now through Sanctuary. And so I haven't, I don't have all of the dates, but if you go on my website you're able to see all of the different things that are coming up places that invite me and places that I have created so that these trainings can happen and I am looking to do a small training during the Lumi Summit during one of the um, office hours so we'll Yay. see how that happens <laughs> I was actually going to email Colleen about that so yeah okay. we're open <laughs> let's talk We'll talk about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> so when, what kind of advice or words of guidance, because you've had experience in this, can you offer to our Lumineers, our listeners, about when they acknowledge that they require this big shift in their life, but can't foresee what kind of support or what it will look like beyond that shift? 
Um, my all, my words are to lean into it um, and to, if there is a focus, focus on right now. Your brain is desired, is designed to keep you from failing, to keep you from dying. And most of us don't pay attention to our mind. Our mind asks us, well, what do you want? And then we go into our brain response of, well, what if I fail? Like, let me let me use all the protective barriers. And that's when we can't foresee. We're thinking of all the things we can't foresee. That's our brain trying to do things that it wasn't designed to do. Our brain can see, it can smell, it can integrate so many things. It does not need for your, it doesn't <laughs> need for you to do those things. Um, our mind just keeps asking us what we want. And if we continue to go in the direction that we want, our brain has already learned all of the things to make that happen. We have to um, rely on our mind. Our brain can do what it's, our brain will keep you from failing. Your brain will keep you from failing. It doesn't need you to add any more thought to that process. Well, I can already hear some lumineers going, wait, if I feed my wants my needs first isn't that extremely selfish and who am I going to be pushing down to get that done um selfish is so many different definitions there's self-serving where you um and and I don't really know the definitions but when I think of self-serving you really could care less about anything besides your needs and your wants being met even if you step over people, that all has to do with intention. You can be very self-loving, self-caring, self-ish, and have the intention of illuminating the entire world. And that's different than being self-loving, self-caring, and having the intention of, I'm going to make $4 billion no matter what. So it really depends on the self. That's the work that needs to be done is on the self. And what selfish, self-serving looks like is all based on on that you know that nervous system that's beautiful <sighs> colleen do you have any other words i don't right? <laughs> i think she covered it yeah this has been really, really great, great. Mm-hmm. yet normally when i'm sitting behind the mic and i'm listening to a conversation you know i have spirit dropping in questions in my head and things are like rolling in like ocean waves i'm like oh yeah, that's a great topic that's a great vein <laughs> and as you're talking i'm just numb <laughs> on the inside i'm like oh, i want to welcome this. spirit come on like, come <laughs> go ask the questions come do the things you know but i'm open but that was beautiful that was great insight and guidance of defining who you are and approaching it with intent mm-hmm. i have one more thing that i do want to ask before we close up which is you've mentioned you have a really good supportive community mm-hmm. and that when you stand up and go, guess what? I'm making a change. (laughs) Everybody goes, okay, yeah, go for it. Yeah, that's you. We know that's you because you've obviously presented that to them and you remind them that I'm not the stagnant one. I'm the river guys. So when I move, everybody around you is like, yeah, she's moving. She's who she is. How did you build that security in your community to always look at you? I know always is a big word, but I'm using it. To say, yes, you move, and we love that about you. Because I think some of our listeners, they desire that kind of presence in their life, but weren't aware in building that structure or that ability in their community. So when they look at them, they go, oh, she's the consistent one. She's always like this every day she shows up here. Like, Colleen, this is 
a very silly, silly explanation of what I'm trying to say. I can't say right wait now. to hear what you're about to say. Yeah, well, <laughs> I can feel it. Yeah. I, I came out of the office the other day. We meet every Wednesday, and Colleen is normally in the conference room. So I march straight to the conference room. I don't have, I have tunnel vision because I'm going to go see Colleen, and she's always there. And I marched out of the door the other day, and she surprised me by jumping around the corner in a totally different location. And it was like, whoa. Colleen, you're a river right now. It's like she wasn't showing up the way that I had been trained for her to show up. And then she secretly confessed that she's giggling. She was going to jump around the corner and scare the crap out of me, but she decided not to in the last second, which I was grateful, but I totally would have welcomed It's not play. me. It's not me. <laughs> no. it, you know what's so funny is I was channeling you. Yeah, that's, that's something totally you would me. do. And so I was like kind of waiting and I was like, oh, I'm going to jump out and scare her. I'm like, that is so not me. <laughs> To do that, but that's so Jamie. So I had to share that whole entire thought yeah. process with her. And so it's even on the smallest of level, though, mm-hmm. I had that expectation. Mm-hmm. And I like to think that I don't work that way. <laughs> but hello, people, I work that way. In a broader picture, I may not, but some of these smaller elements, I fall into the ease of that's where Colleen shows up. Mm-hmm. I think I, I, treat everyone around me the way that they treat me and I get overwhelmed when it happens to me but I realize that they're mirroring everything that I've ever taught them when anybody that I know is making a move instead of asking them questions that um well, what if this, what if that? I treat them like they're mine. I'm like, "Okay, well, how is this going to happen? This is so exciting. I'm so excited with you where and I, I never see, a, I don't see problems. I ask always, how are you moving towards ease? And so I have, without deliberately doing anything, I've, I've taught people how to treat me by, and, and this is even, I won't say that I never work with people one-on-one, but when I was in like specific private practice, this is how I treated them. I supported them along their journey. So when someone came to me with stage four cancer, um, the next thing was, was this, is this the narrative that we're living by? Is this what you have? Is this how we're going? So I've always asked them questions in a way that really bases their life off of their narrative. And so when they say something, I believe them. I believe anything that someone tells me. Now, what I want to do and interact with them, how I want to interact with them is different. But when someone tells me something, um, whether they're telling me with their mouth or with their action, I believe them because that is very, very, very true for them at that moment. And likely they're treating me the way that I treat them. Which is a reflection on how you treat yourself. So like Mm -hmm. the beginning of it is treat others how you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. Even if it's you haven't been doing that for 40 years. (laughs) Start today. And treat yourself how you treat other people. Yes. It's not something yes. that I've wanted oh <laughs> yes. to, it's not something that I wrote down, this is how this happens. I'm more of an observer of life. And so I now recognize this is how I've done things. But, and I recognize that the difference and the, the disruption that's needed is this is the conversation that needs to always be had between parents and children, children and parents. Um, when, when a child asks a question, 
Um, they're looking for an answer. They're not looking for anything fear-based. It's more asking, okay, is that what you believe? How can we, how can we make that happen more than um, using your experiences and your traumas to say you can't. Like every, every conversation is a learning experience on both ends. And I get to learn so much by asking questions to people with the intent of learning something. I don't have, while I am a teacher and, and I facilitate things, I am always learning. And I think that's important. That is beautiful. My dad says when you stop learning, that's when you begin to die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He has not stopped learning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad he's still alive. Hi, Dad. I love you. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dr. Crystal, thank you so much for coming back to the studio. I, I feel like every time I see you, I'm like, how can I keep you here? How, <laughs> and how I'm always I, like, how can I be here all the time? <laughs> so it matches. How can I bring you <laughs> in? Just keep Crystal in the corner. <laughs> Crystal, <laughs> we need your insights. <laughs> Stop putting me in the box, guys. I just love you so much, Jamie. And any time that I have the honor and the privilege to be in your presence is a gift that I thank the universe for mm. tremendously. That's so sweet. That felt so <laughs> good to receive in here. I have tears in my eyes. Thank you so much for saying that right back at you. I admire and love everything you're doing. <laughs> That's what good feels like. That's what good <laughs> sounds like, Lumineers, right there. The little <laughs> crinkle in my voice. Wow. Thank you. And thank you, Lumineers, for being here and lending us your ear. Thank you for staying tuned. Keep coming back. Put your fingers to the keyboards. Let us know what you're learning, what you'd like to learn, what you'd like to see, because we'd like to provide it for you in some shape or manner. <laughs> and remember, it's not woo-woo. It's true-true. Bye, Lumineers. Bye. See you later. Jamie